Welcome to Hempire. I'm your host, Gabby Boudreau, co-founder of Divine Elements. Check out our CBD and botanical wellness selection online at mydivineelements.com, where you can use the code wellness20 for 20% off your first order. CBD, three letters that have become a household name over the past few years. But what exactly is CBD? Does it come from hemp? Is it the same thing as marijuana? Will it get you high? And does it actually work for pain and anxiety? If you've had those questions cross your mind before, trust me, you are not alone. CBD can be quite a confusing topic. So here today to help us begin to navigate the basics of CBD and where it comes from is a man who is no stranger to hemp cultivation, processing, and manufacturing. He led sales and marketing for Gen Canna elevating it from the early stages to one of the largest players in the global cannabis market, achieving a revenue growth of over $100 million in three years. He is currently the president of Ecogen Biosciences. Mr. Garrett Bain, welcome to the show, sir. Thanks, Gabby. Great to be here. You were a special operations team leader with the 75th Ranger Regiment. First of all, thank you so much for your service. You know, there are so so many veterans that I've had the pleasure of speaking to um, over the years with, with my retail locations. And I've had the pleasure of and the honor of learning that they have found so much tremendous help with CBD as, a, as an alternative to pharmaceuticals and traditional options. So as a combat veteran yourself, how important is it to you to have, for the public to have access to compliant, consistent, high-quality CBD products? Yeah, it's been, uh, it's been one of my goals uh, since entering the, 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 the hemp space is really to provide better access uh, to the global markets and, and specifically uh, veterans. Um, you know, we've, we've worked with many veteran groups along the way, uh, brands that are geared towards veterans, uh, certainly from an inflammation standpoint, anxiety, and, uh, and sleep really are the are the top three reasons that veterans do turn to uh, hemp derived CBD. Uh, so we've been we've been optimistic that uh, CBD can be a product that will be have a helpful benefit for for folks that are struggling with any of the these uh, three indications. So uh, whether it be PTSD related or or anxiety or sleep related, um, we're really hoping that they can find benefit from a, a plant derived solution rather than turning to the pharmaceutical market. Absolutely. When you hear some of the stories of not just veterans, but you know, a lot of people who are dealing with PTSD and those serious conditions that are so hard to, to handle and, you know, that require multiple modes of, of therapies, you know, it's, you hear some scary stories, side effects of drugs and, and things that are not pleasant, not wanted. And then CBD is here and you try it and you have such a good experience and you hear that, you know, these people aren't having side effects or they are uh, just feeling so much better, so much better in general, their wellness has been elevated to, you know, a 
to a, a level that they've never felt before. It's so, like you're saying, it's so inspiring. It's it's an optimistic time for people in the wellness yeah. center, the wellness um, industry, and it's 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 great to hear that there are people and companies like EcoGen that are helping to standardize the compliance and the standards for raw materials in the hemp industry. So I know a little bit about EcoGen. I've worked with your company in the past, but what uh, what are you guys doing right now? Can you give us a little brief intro or background about what you guys do and uh, what you're up to? Absolutely. So Cadenwood, Cadenwood Brands, right? Cadenwood LLC is a, is a company in California. I joined Cadenwood in, in uh, March of last year in 2020. Um, Cadenwood is a consumer brand uh, company, right? They have, they have three consumer facing brands uh, right now. And they were looking to vertically integrate. So I joined the company to help vertically integrate Cadenwood. And uh, we acquired EcoGen in October of 2020, excuse me, August of 2020. So in August, uh, Cadenwood uh, acquired EcoGen wholly. And I relocated to Grand Junction to, to run EcoGen. So um, after the acquisition, we acquired a second company called General Processing uh, that had a brand new 50,000 square foot CGMP processing facility uh, here on the Western Slope of Colorado. We acquired them in October. So since October, we have been consolidating the EcoGen production uh, platform from uh, several other locations into the new facility. So we've been very busy both scaling our operations to produce more, uh, to create that access, uh, as well as consolidating into the new home, uh, that new facility out here on the Western Slope. So that's, that's kind of what we've been up to. Um, so it's been, a, it's been a heavy lift since the acquisition. Uh, we've brought in uh, a lot of great talent from across the country. Uh, we brought in some folks that have been in the space for, for several years. So we're really bringing the best and brightest in the industry to try and um, create a, a very stable global platform for hemp-derived hemp CBD production. How big did you say your facility is? Uh, the one that we, our processing facility is 50,000 square feet. Okay. So, so. We, have, uh, we have two greenhouse facilities. We have a 180,000 square feet of greenhouse space. We've got around 570 acres of, of, of land uh, for farming land. Uh, and then we have the 50,000 square foot production facility. Uh, we've got a uh, 5,000 square foot fabrication shop where we build machines uh, that are integral to our production process. So we build a lot of that equipment in-house rather than uh, purchasing it overseas, uh, which helped tremendously during, during times of COVID, obviously with the freight challenges. So building equipment in-house and having our engineers and, and folks work on that here uh, was very, very valuable, especially as we made that transition to the, to the new facility. Yeah, so you guys are kind of in all facets of the CBD industry is what it sounds like from seed to processing to manufacturing to to retail. So as someone, you know, I always tell people, I can only speak for my products. I, I can't speak for other people's brands. You know, we I know what my standards are for sourcing materials and, and what we look for when we're searching for raw material suppliers such as EcoGen. Uh, the, reg, the FDA has been working on regulatory processes for, I don't know how long now, but it's been a long time. Uh, yeah. And I'm sure COVID threw a, a big old wrench in the process. So as someone with an ear, you know, on the inside regarding the FDA and CBD, do you have any insight on where we are at with, with FDA and the regulation of CBD products? Well, I think there's two sides to it. There's the legislative approach, which you've seen Congress, there's been chatter about Congress advancing bills to try and force their hand. 
the FDA, I think, is really just trying to get their arms around data, right? They're trying to they're trying to get their arms around data to make sure it's safe uh, to be to be included in both dietary supplements and what we all hope in the industry is food, right? Um, food would be critical because if we can if we can get into the food, then we you're talking beverage, you're talking sea store. Uh, ingestibles and things of that nature. So the market becomes a lot larger globally if this is, if it, if this ingredient gains entry into into food. Um, it 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 is a slightly smaller market, obviously, if you're talking dietary supplement, um, where where there's a, a little bit more regulatory oversight as far as that dietary supplement. Uh, and then obviously pharma is the extreme example. But uh, I think from what we've understood is that the FDA has received a lot more data over the past year. So we're, we're hopeful that by the end of this year or early next, that we'll have more clear guidance. And obviously food is the goal because then you'd have food, dietary supplement and pharma, uh, which would be very unique because there aren't a lot of ingredients or products that are, that are, that live in all three of those spaces from a regulatory perspective. Absolutely. And it's so interesting because, you know, the, the supplement industry has been doing this, (laughs) For decades, you know, without re- FDA regulation or approval. So as someone in the CBD space myself and, and other brand owners and, and people such as yourself that I, I, I chat with, it's we're kind of like we're tiptoeing around, you know, all the time by saying, you know, we can't say this does one thing, but my mom and my dad and my brother and sister and cousins and aunts and uncles, they all say it helps them with this. So I'm just going to leave right. that there and you can do what you want with it. But what, you know, you guys are so you're huge ecogen biosciences. So how do you guys, how do you deal with, you know, with the uncertainty of what you were just, uh, what you were just speaking about with, you know, waiting for these regulations to come into place? Well, you know, the structure function claims are really the issue, right? Um, claiming that CBD uh, cures or prevents or treats is really, you know, the challenge. So, um, we're not a we're not a consumer facing brand, obviously, like yourself. Um, but we advise our clients, obviously, to, to be mindful of those marketing claims. Where we do a lot of white label work with, with brands such as yourselves, um, you know, we we are advising. Uh, you know, we are advising while we're not attorneys, but we are advising just to be very careful about how you present and market these products, both on your website and your labels and packaging and your boxes. Uh, there are, you know, obviously FDA letters that have gone out to some of these brands uh, that, you know, are very detrimental to the business if you receive one, right? Because then the retailers are concerned about carrying that brand now that you're on the FDA's uh, radar. So once that happens, it can be very challenging to come back from that. So my best advice to brands and folks in the space are is be very cautious and conservative about your marketing and your packaging, uh, simply because it's it's not an area that you want to get mixed up in. Uh, it's possible. I mean, it really just wait. We just have to be patient, wait for guidance, and then market according to the guidelines once they're available. And I know it's frustrating. We all want to get going and, and start, you know, marketing. Um, Cadenwood and, and Cadenwood Brands. I mean, they're they're marketing uh, uh, at a pretty significant level. I mean, they have television commercials on the Discovery Channel Network for Level Select Brand. Uh, Ricky Fowler uh, is, is one of their uh, spokespersons. Um, and, and they have found a way to market these products uh, nationally, uh, both on television, radio, and print advertisements um, without, you know, making claims or medical claims or structure function claims. And I think that is the best advice I can give uh, is really to just 
um, be patient. Um, and it's possible to, to call out the positive qualities of, of products that aren't related to the CBD. I find that a lot of people that really enjoy many of these products um, have really come to enjoy the quality of the other ingredients as well. So having a benefit from a topical that, that works, but the, the CBD is just an added benefit, right? Um, and I think that's a really good way to look at these products uh, right now. Absolutely. When we're formulating, we we also look for those sorts of things. I had the pleasure of speaking doctor, to Dr. Rachel Knox on my last episode, and she mentioned a, a group of uh, ingredients that are known as cannabimimetics. So they contain similar properties to cannabinoids, uh, as well as she promotes the cannabimimetic lifestyle that you can carry and uh, implement into your own lifestyle with things such as meditation and, and exercise and that, that sort of thing. So yeah, I love seeing athletes promote CBD, you know, good CBD products, because anytime we, we can normalize CBD and hemp and marijuana, uh, cannabis in general, I think it's great. So uh, I, I'm, I'm interested to see what's going to happen in terms of CBD on the forefront with entertainers and, and athletes and, you know, how we can normalize it more and, and just bring more awareness to CBD and, and what exactly it is. So, you know, some people are, it can be a little confusing, CBD, THC, all the cannabinoids. What is the difference? Can you explain to us what's the difference between hemp and marijuana? Because there really is not that much of a difference, right? Correct. They're very genetically similar. Um, it really comes down to THC, right? THC is the psychoactive molecule or one of the psychoactive molecules. There's some other isomers that we know of now, Delta, nine, delta 8, Delta 10, or isomers of the Delta 9. Um, so I'm, I'm certainly not a chemist, but uh, I am around this space a lot, and uh, the genetics are very similar. Uh, the The federal definition just requires THC to be below 0.3%, right? And and that is uh, one way that we differentiate between the two. Um, obviously, when you get further away from genetics that look like marijuana, you get more towards the industrial side of hemp, which is these very tall, uh, long, stocky uh, hemp varietals that are used for fiber, right? So you have very diverse cross-section of genetics in the same family, right? That you have everything from fiber, which is very tall, very thin uh, genetics. And then you get closer towards marijuana when you start getting these bushy, shrubby genetics that uh, pro produce those beautiful flowers that, that we like flowers, to see. Yeah. yeah. So that's ob obviously cannabinoids uh, in general, THC, CBD, CBN, CBG. Uh, CBC, uh, they all are produced as a reproductive function of the flower, as I understand it. And uh, so the, the genetics that are most similar to marijuana are going to be the cannabinoid rich genetics. Uh, and that's what we specialize in from a, from a, a breeding perspective, a seed perspective and a growing perspective. That's wonderful. The hemp has so many uses, like you were just saying, from the, you know, the fibers to, to CBD, to the cannab cannabinoids themselves. It, it's, it's one of the largest CO2 to biomass conversion tools on the planet. It's an incredible renewable resource. And I don't know why we don't have more hemp bioplastics on the market yet. And, you know, the hemp, hemp fuel, and I mean, the list just goes on and on and on. So where do you see, uh, where do you see the future of the hemp industry going and CBD going in the next five to 10 years? Well, I, I think the industry was just stunted a bit by prohibition that lasted for so many years. Uh, obviously, now that folks can research and work with this plant, 
uh, I think you'll start seeing a lot of progress, both on the health and wellness side, as well as the industrial plastics and fiber. Um, the fiber and plastics have come along slower because of the investment dollars. The, the, the major upside in, this, in the hemp space initially was cannabinoids, obviously. Um, back when I got into the industry in late 2016, early 2017, you're talking about $10,000 kilos of CBD, right? Yeah. Uh, on, on the ingredient side. Um, so that's where the money was. Um, fiber and plastic, I think, is a much longer term play. But I also think that it's a, a very going to be a more consistent, stable play as well, because they'll have industrial uses. And as they develop those technologies and like plants that can actually uh, facilities that can actually process the fiber and process the plastic will come online through investment. And once those are online, I think you'll see a long, stable market for those products. Um, CBD and cannabinoids were, were kind of the starting point just because there was so much money involved in, in that space uh, early on. Yeah, it was crazy. I, I remember when kilos were up in the five to $10,000 range and mm -hmm. it was just, you know, it's things have changed so much and I'm so grateful that there has been, you know, some normalization to the market because people need to be able to afford these products. It's, you know, we can't, yeah. we can't be giving our firstborn up for <laughs> a bottle of CBD oil. It's just, it's, it's ridiculous. So I'm, I'm happy that it has, it has come quite a long way since that 2017, 2016 uh, era in CBD. Uh, you guys just implemented a, a, a seed program called the Plant Now Pay Later Hemp Seed mm -hmm. Program. And I, I'm not sure how recent it is, but I'm really interested to learn more about this program. What are, what are the, uh, how does the program work? Who can benefit from it? Sure. So uh, historically, uh, this past year and a half or so, two years, farmers have really taken a beating. Um, the market was saturated with biomass. There was too much hemp grown. Uh, and unfortunately, a lot of those farmers lost money on the sale of that biomass. And we're still processing some of that biomass that's coming through from 2020. Um, that 2019 was, you know, was around a while. And the 2020 crop was, you know, sitting, uh, you know, a lot of these folks dried it and then put it into storage uh, to try and stabilize it. Um, but the challenge was there just wasn't enough demand globally to support the tens of thousands of acres of material that was harvested. So... Um, these farmers over the past year that lost, lost money, a uh, significant amount of money, have been subsidizing the low prices in the marketplace, which is not normal. So I can't say that the market is normalized because the prices will have to go back up because currently the cost of biomass is below the cost of production for the farmer. So that can't last forever, obviously, in a normalized market, in a commodity market. Um, but I, I do see it starting to rebound a bit, which is great. Um, so the idea behind the seed program was we had, we have a lot of seeds in inventory, right? And we know that a lot of these farmers had, uh, had a hard time in, in the past uh, couple of years. So we wanted to find a way to put these seeds to use, to use essentially. And one way to do that is to essentially give farmers the opportunity. We'll, we essentially front the seeds to the farmers so that they don't have an upfront cost on the seeds and they can plant and go directly into ground. Uh, without a, without an upfront cost, and we have programs where they can either um, they can either pay us in biomass next year down the line, uh, so that there is no cash component, um, or you know if they're more, if they're interested, if they already have a home for their biomass and they just want to pay it out, they can pay it out on the back end uh, once they've uh, harvested successfully. So um, really, just a flexible program to put the seeds that we have to work with farmers who we know have um, 
you know, struggled the past two years. That's great. And you mentioned that you guys have, a, a, was it 500 acres of, of farmland? Where, where are you guys we located? We're on the western slope of Colorado. Uh, okay. Our headquarters, our headquarters office is in Grand Junction. Our greenhouse facility is in Palisade, uh, the wine and uh, peach producing region of Colorado. Um, and our production facility is out in Delta, Colorado. So you're in, a, in an area that's very conducive to producing very nice harvests. That's what it sounds like. And what what you guys use, I'm sure, organic cultivation practices. How important is it to to implement those practices and use them? I mean, it's really important because um, the process of extraction, the, the entire process of getting to an ingredient is basically reduction, right? When you take plants and biomass, that's all the way on the left side, we'll say. And as you move through the process to the right side, a finished ingredient, you're reducing. So you're going from plant biomass to an extraction to a crude oil. You're going from a crude oil and you're distilling it and you're removing, uh, you know, volatiles and terpenes and, and other, and other uh, you know, compounds. And then you're further reducing that down into a finished distillate or an isolate, so to speak. Now, when you're doing that, you're also concentrating the, part, the parts per million of, of pesticides potentially. So if you don't start with good biomass that has not been treated with pesticides, those pesticides will show up in a certificate of analysis on your distillate, right? Um, that way you're not stuck trying to remediate and things of that nature, which are very challenging. Um, and you just want to make sure that that from an ingredient standpoint, that doesn't end up in a finished product, um, such as your own brand. Like you were saying, it, it's quite the process to go from the biomass to these raw material ingredients, really to isolate and other, other isolated compounds. Uh, it, it's quite the process. What does that process look like? If you want to just give us like a small window into how that works and really how long and how much effort it is. Yeah. And uh, we are, we are gaining efficiencies every day, right? We have an engineering group that's working to cut down the timeline between extraction, uh, refinement, and, and so forth. So uh, from the beginning, the biomass is, is generally uh, comes in and it's, uh, it's milled or, or ground uh, into a small specification of a, a particle size. Uh, it, it's then put in what we call a sock, which is a, essentially a, a, a fabric basket, or which is, acts like a coffee filter almost. Um, that is put into a centrifuge uh, and filled with cold ethanol, cryo, cryo freezing, which is negative 40 degrees uh, ethanol. And that is uh, essentially washed in that centrifuge, if you think about a washing machine. And that's how the oils are removed from the biomass using that super cold ethanol. Uh, once that cycle finishes, you have a crude oil that has ethanol essentially food grade ethanol mixed in with it, right? And uh, you put it through a process where you uh, essentially distill off the ethanol. Uh, we use a falling film evaporator where you, you heat it, evaporate the ethanol out of the crude, and then it recondenses and we, we actually recapture and reuse that ethanol. So we don't have a waste stream there. Uh, we recapture uh, over 95% of the ethanol that we use and we can reuse it again in the future, rechill it and then uh, go through the process again. So what you're left with is a, is a very crude oil, right? You have the cannabinoids and you have uh, a lot of the other compounds that are, that are in the plant uh, organically, right? Um, from that process, uh, generally do a terpene strip 
where you're kind of pulling out some of those more volatile, harsh terpenes uh, that are really undesirable from a flavor perspective uh, if you are ingesting these, these products. Um, after terp terpene strip, you go through distillation. Uh, we use white foam distillation um, where you're, you're, again, you're moving some of the undesirable compounds. It's almost like a second pass, right? Uh, to further refine the slit. Once you get to a distillate that's a nice honey color, like a golden color, uh, that's free of kind of the um, plant molecules um, that you're, you, you, they have the, like these black tar looking compounds that's kind of left over that is just organic matter that's left from the plant. Um, that is a waste stream essentially, um, which is an organic waste stream. There's no solvents left in that. Um, it, there's no, no chemicals left in that. It's, it's just organic plant material really at that point. Um, that piece of waste stream. From the crude oil, uh, we, we then move uh, into a, a terpene strip where we move the, the volatiles, uh, some of the more undesirable terpene profiles that are potentially, um, you know, harsh as far as flavor and, and scent is concerned. Uh, and then we go into a second pass of distillation, essentially, where we use a white foam distillation unit uh, that creates a, a honey or a gold color distillate. That distillate will, will range in and concentration of cannabinoids, depending on the input material, right? So if you have biomass that has a higher level of, uh, of, of cannabinoids, you'll get into a crude that is potentially around 60%, somewhere around there, cannabinoids. And then you're gonna go into distillation, which you'll further concentrate that material and you'll be up in the 80s, right? You'll, be a, you'll have a distillate up in the 80s uh, as far as C CBD is concerned and up to as high as 90% cannabinoids in general. Um, but that's a full spectrum of cannabinoids. Uh, from there, we can take it into uh, THC remediation where we remove some of that tea and we create a broad spectrum or a THC free product uh, that has other minor cannabinoids. Uh, we do full spectrum as well, which is compliant level of THC, 0.3% or below. We, we generally shoot for 0.2 so that we're not tiptoeing that line too closely. We want to make sure we're compliant. Um, or we can also crash CBD isolate, so a, pure, like a crystal molecule of CBD uh, out of the distillate, right? And you end up with a 99.5% pure CBD isolate. Uh, we can do a similar process, process for CBG as well. With CBG, you start with a biomass that is predominantly CBG, uh, and then you go through the same process, looks very similar. Uh, and instead of crashing CBD isolate out of the distillate, you're crashing CBG isolate out of the distillate. Um, so those are the kind of the pathways uh, that you can take for an ingredient. Uh, from, from that isolate and from that distillate, you can then further develop into soluble products, right? So uh, either micro-encapsulated or, or nanoparticulate products that are soluble in, in water. Uh, you, can, you can go into capsules and soft gels and, and all of the products that we know and love that are on the market today. Uh, and, that, and that's generally the process that, that these, these ingredients take uh, to get from biomass into a finished good. It's quite the process is what it sounds like. I, I, I know a little, I have a little bit of, you know, experience seeing how that works on, on the back end from your standpoint in an extraction facility, but it, it really does. It, it is a meticulous, intricate process. And to end up with those isolates, as you're saying, those crystalline uh, molecules, it's, wow, it's, it's a lot. Uh, and it, Thank goodness we have, you know, um, some really great manufacturers and suppliers like yourselves uh, who are taking the time and the effort to do this the right way and provide us with some outstanding uh, raw materials and end and products. So like you said, there's, you know, a lot of CBD products on the market today. There's 
I don't know, probably close to a hundred different kinds of products. Um, and some of them are gimmicks, you know, CBD soap, shower gel, things you put on your body, get rinsed off right away. You know, you're not, you're not really getting that much CBD, if any at all, but they're fun. And, you know, that's cool. Um, but in my experience, I've, I've seen that the most effective and uh, appreciated CBD products are ingestibles like CBD oils and gel capsules, as well as a good topical, like a cream or a salve, um, you know, for people who are really, really truly wanting to better their health, whether it be mental or physical, those are the kinds of products that are, are really tried and true this time. But I want to know, okay, I love myself a full spectrum CBD oil, but I want to know what kind of CBD products do you like to use? What do you use in your CBD rituals? Sure. Uh, I'm pretty, I'm pretty old school. I, I, I do, I do like the full spectrum products. Um, I like full spectrum products that have a significant minor profile. So we're talking maybe like five, you know, up to 5% CBG um, and CBC and CBN, things like that. So one of the challenges that full spectrum has is a lot of folks by the time, you know, the miners profiles and the dissolute they use to formulate their finished products, by the time it's formulated into finished products, those miners essentially disappear. So you're not really getting the benefit of those miners uh, as far as uh, bioavailability and absorption. Um, you're not getting the benefit because they've been essentially diluted out by the other ingredients in the, uh, in the oil or the, or the, the gummy or, or the, even the topical, right? Um, so from my perspective, uh, I, I like to use a full spectrum oil that has a significant minor profile, obviously a compliant THC. Absolutely. Yeah. I love those full spectrum. It's just amazing. And for people who, you know, who are maybe drug tested because there's no guarantee that a minor amount of THC won't show up on a drug test. Isolate is a great option. Uh, a lot of people prefer it because they have a sensitivity to THC. So there, there are a lot of options for people who are interested in and gaining the effects and the benefits of CBD. Um, we'd like to thank you, Garrett, today. Uh, we're, we're out of time today. So we'd like to thank you for joining us today. It was a pleasure having you on the show, sir. Thanks so much, Gabby. I had a great time. Thank you. Come Absolutely. see us in Western Slope. Absolutely. I will. Anytime I'm out there, I would love to come see your guys' facility. It would be an honor. Uh, we'd like to thank our producers and Divine Elements CBD for making the show possible. Thank you so much for joining us today and join us again next week for another episode of Empire. Until then, keep learning, stay well, and we'll talk to you soon. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.